Happy December! This is The Bittersweet Life. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. I'm Katie Sewell. I've been in the radio business for nearly 20 years, mostly working for public radio in the United States. In 2013, I quit my stable job and I moved to Rome for just a year. That's where this podcast begins. And if you're new, don't be afraid to start at the beginning. I'd hate for you to miss out on the adventure. That adventure might inspire you to do something crazy, like quit your stable job and move to Rome for just one year. And my co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer and author of Midnight in the Piazza. And she's also an expat who moved to Rome over a decade ago with the determination to stay whatever it took. She's also my childhood friend. I met her on the school bus in the sixth grade. I hope you like the show, and if you do, tell a friend and take the time to write us a review. And if you've listened to the show for years, consider a donation. Your financial support is huge to us. In fact, I can't think of a donation to anywhere that would be more appreciated than what it will be to us. We'll send you a handwritten thank you note. And in addition to helping us pay hosting fees and other bills, your support will help us grow the show, which is absolutely the key to this program continuing in the years to come. So if you love it, if we make your life a little better, please pay whatever you can to support the art that you enjoy. Visit thebittersweetlife.net on your desktop and click the donate button. Or tweet us at bittersweetpod and we'll send you a link. Thank you so much. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And we are just one week away from Christmas. Hey! Believe it or not, it's coming so early this year. So soon. So soon. It sneaks up on you more and more every year. It does. And I hear you've been a little under the weather. Yes, yes. I have a bit of bronchitis, but I am on the mend, and hopefully by Christmas I will be well again. Yes, and I will uh, try to cut out all the coughing. I finally got a flu shot. Hmm. That was my big accomplishment this week. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Thanks. Yeah, the last time I got a flu shot, the pharmacist actually mocked me for how late I was getting it. I went in there and I said, "Uh, I'd like to get a flu shot. And he's like, you know that flu season is almost over. Maybe uh, next year you could come in at the beginning of it. Just give me the shot. Does everybody get flu shots in the States? You're supposed to. Really? And a lot of insurance carriers give it to you for free. Oh. Really trying to avoid a flu epidemic over here. Yes, I can imagine. You guys don't do that over there? Old people get it. That's about it. Hmm. It's not common. Hmm. That's interesting. Here it's, they really try to get everybody to get it if possible. Hmm. Of course, not everybody does, and every year people get the flu, but... I wonder how much of a difference it makes. I think historically in the United States, and I don't remember what year it was, but there was a really horrific flu epidemic, Hmm. and I'm not saying that that's why it's so stressed. Well, I know. I read some statistic about what they call the Spanish influenza, Yeah, which might just have been in England, but it might have been in the United States too. No, I think it was. It happened right at the end of World War One. Yeah. And... If I remember correctly, more people died of the Spanish flu than died in World War One. Yeah. yeah. Which is insane. I mean, that's insane. Well, the flu is not something to be messed with, that's for sure. No, it isn't. It really isn't. 
I haven't had the flu in so long, but I do remember working for a woman once who got the flu really badly and didn't come into work for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it must have called her or something. She was my boss and just said, how are you doing? And she said, well, I'm laying naked on the tiles in my on my kitchen floor <gasps> because I'm so hot. Oh, my God. It's the only way I have found to cool down. Oh, my God. Sounds pretty horrible to me, and that's enough for me to get a flu shot. Yeah. And I started getting flu shots, actually, when I had a job I really hated, and they offered to give a free flu shot at work. This was in my 20s. And I waited until the line wrapped almost all the way around the room so I could stand at the end of it and not have to work for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Very clever. Anyway, that's beside the point. Today, we are helping... A listener with their problem or we're going to attempt to anyway i don't know if we'll have any answers but we're gonna try okay are you ready this is an email that we got from emily quite some time ago and i apologize emily for not getting to this sooner but i did want to get to it it's been on my list this is what she writes hello i just found your podcast yay and i chose to listen to the therapy episode number 126 as my first listen and i'm so glad i did I'm currently in the process of searching for therapy abroad, so this episode was like a godsend. I'm an American expat who moved to the Netherlands a year ago to join my Greek boyfriend. This is my first time living abroad, as well as my first time living with a partner, so there are lots of ups and downs, as well as cultural communication issues in my home life. And professionally, I am the only expat non-Dutch speaker at my work. Every day I think about moving back to the States, but I can't help but think that decision will also be the end of my relationship. I cannot see the relationship going well stateside, as my boyfriend has a solid community here in the Netherlands. So, I guess my question is, when is the right time to give up living abroad? How do I know if my want to return to the States is because I'm unhappy in my relationship, or I am unhappy living abroad? Whether this question is answered by you ladies or some guest or not at all, I thank you so much in advance for creating a space to ask such a question. From Emily. Oh, thank you, Emily. That's not an easy situation. No. When I was listening to that, around the point where she says, I moved to the Netherlands to be with my Greek boyfriend, I thought about the fact that it's been said that of all the differences that you can have in a relationship, whether it's you're from different religions or you're very different ages or very different economic status or what have you, different race. The most difficult one to overcome is a cultural difference, to be from different countries or countries with vastly different cultures. And I found that to be true. Well, I mean, I don't know personally because I that's our really only main difference. I can't speak for those other differences, but I would just have to say that it, it's got to be incredibly different to not only have to deal with the cultural differences within your relationship, her being American, him being Greek, but at the same time have to be dealing with living in a foreign culture that isn't even his culture. It's a third culture. There's a reason that expats can sometimes have hard times. There's a reason expats seek out their countrymen and women their compatriots to have a kind of community because it's difficult difficult to be alone in a sea of people with a totally different culture and different language and everything and she's doing it on both sides like out in the world and at home 
And I can't imagine how hard that must be, especially because it's the beginning of her expat journey. Not to mention the adjustment that would come from living with a boyfriend for the first time in your life. Yeah. Even that, even that is challenging. Yeah. Especially if, I mean, she doesn't say how old she is, but the older you are, the harder it is, I think, if it's the first time. Because mm-hmm. you're more and more set in your ways and like used to living alone. Yeah. Don't give yourself a hard time because what you're going through is not easy. What it reads like to me, too, when I read the email was she feels like an outsider mm-hmm. because she's new to this culture she's the only person who doesn't speak Dutch at her work, which means people at her work can speak English, obviously. But if they're having a conversation in Dutch, she doesn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And she is living with a boyfriend who she presumably loves, but who has a full community of his own there that she's sort of stepped into. And I wonder, I'm curious if that's a Dutch community or a Greek expat community. Yes, which we don't know. So that's a lot of being pretty uncomfortable in your skin. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. A lot. And it's a lot of pressure on your boyfriend, your one particular partner, too. I'm not saying that I'm blaming her in any way, but he is the anchor. He is the only anchor, you know. And and in some ways, Derek and I had that similar circumstance in Italy, except I also had you. And we quickly found an expat community or at least a few expat friends to reach out to. But on the whole, we were there because of him. So I was reliant on the people he was meeting as well. And I think actually that's been sort of the state of things in San Francisco because I've been working from home. And a lot of the people I work with, as I've mentioned before, are in Seattle. So a lot of the people that I communicate with on a day-to-day basis aren't actually in the city of San Francisco. So my main social life, whether I like it or not, and I tend to like it, is Derek. Whereas he has all these other people on the outside that he is working with. So I kind of get her outsidery feeling that she must be going through and then compound that by having a whole different culture and a whole different language to learn. It's, it's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. And also, I think it bears saying that not everybody seeks out the experience of being other. Yes. Some people are naturally drawn to being expats. I mean, I'm kind of like that. From the time I was very young, like I loved the idea of being different, the odd person out. There was something fascinating about that to me. And I loved being in a place where I was the only American or something. But not everybody's like that. And a lot of people don't feel comfortable in situations like that. If she moved to the Netherlands to be with her boyfriend, which it sounds like that was her motivation, she might be the kind of person who would never have considered moving abroad if it hadn't been for this personal reason so it's not just as simple as oh you know she's having a hard time adjusting to life as an expat well if if that's not what she chose maybe it's not even what's right for her yeah well and I also feel like it can go like a tide to in and out in and out I think you've seen me in the last year so much moving around since this show started how many different places I've lived including being in New Orleans and all those things you can get a fatigue too. Like she may have arrived in the Netherlands and found being new was so exciting. We also don't know how long she's been there. Maybe she's been there for a year, you know, or something. And, and it has been so exciting and it's so great. And she's starting to feel that tiredness of being the other. She's just sick of it a little bit. And she misses the comforts of knowing everybody around her or the city that she grew up in or who knows. 
I've definitely had that experience where it's not that I don't want to see everything and learn new things, but it's like a fatigue. I'm in Seattle for Christmas and it's relaxing because you don't have to try to meet new people. You just know some people. You have a place. You are a person there. So it could be that it was really exciting for a time too and it's just not as exciting right now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to give advice when we don't know more of the facts. But I think the question, the crux of her question was, you read it, you know what I'm talking about. She says, so I guess my question is, when is the right time to give up living abroad? Is the first question. And then the second one is, how do I know if my want to return to the States is because I am unhappy in my relationship or I am unhappy living abroad? Reading that question again, it makes me think that she is ready to be done living abroad. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, on the second question, like both of the options are not good. Yes. <laughs> Either one, if you're not having a relationship or you're not happy living abroad, like if those are your two choices, does it really matter which one it is? Yes. If it's coming into her mind that maybe one of the reasons is that she's not happy with her boyfriend, I think that's the answer. Because I think that if... If she were really happy with her boyfriend, I'm not trying to break this couple up, by the way. Yes, you are. I can imagine somebody... In fact, when you first read this to me, I, I almost misunderstood it for a second. And I thought she was saying, I want to be with my boyfriend, but that's not reason enough to stay in a country just to be with someone. But that's not what she was saying. If she was sitting there and she was saying, well, I feel like I want to be back in the United States, but I love my boyfriend so much I don't want to leave him. That's more of a dilemma. Wow. You're going to have to do some serious thinking and think about what you think is more important in your life, where you are or who you're with. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like neither are super satisfying to her right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that question of how do you know if you want to go home because you're not happy in your relationship or because you're not happy abroad is a really, really hard question without getting rid of one or the other. Yeah, but I think... Okay, here's an example. I met this girl in London once. And this is just totally circumstantial. I mean, it's totally like anecdotal. It's one person, but I'm just going to tell the story. Mm -hmm. So I was in London visiting some friends and I met this girl who was a friend of my friend and she was American and she had moved to London to be with a guy. And that relationship had very quickly not worked out, but she had work. I think she had arranged a job before she even moved. And she said to me, she, it had been at least a few months since they had broken up. And she said, I came here for him, but I love it here so much that I'm staying for London. It has nothing to do with him. Like he might be out there thinking, oh, she's still hanging around because she still wants to be with me. But it's not true. I just love this city and I'm so happy here. And I feel like if you really love a place... I mean, yes, of course, having a breakup can cause you to question everything. But if she were really happy there, she wouldn't be asking herself this question. She would be like, well, geez, I'm not happy in my relationship, but I love it here. Or she'd be saying, I hate it here, but I love my boyfriend so much I don't want to leave him, you know? True, except there's that one gray area where if one of them is off enough, it can affect the other one. Well, that's true. That's the hard part. I totally get what you're saying, though, because it reminds me of another story. That's the opposite of the one that you told, which was I had a friend who moved to Denver to be with a girl. They met in Seattle, but she wanted to move home to help take care of her family. 
and they had a good enough relationship that he thought, okay, I'll I'll go with you. But he hated hated <laughs> hated Denver so much and the fact that it was affecting his career in a negative way that he decided to leave the girl even though he loved the girl because everything else wasn't factoring up. So it was sort of the opposite. I like you, but it's not enough to replace everything else in my life. That's the question. Is it enough or is it not enough? And I think when it's enough, it's think of all of the military brides, brides, that's so old fashioned. <laughs> think of think of all the military spouses, excuse me. I just stepped back into the 1950s for a minute. <laughs> think of all the military spouses who live in like these god awful places. No offense. Some of them are. Some of them are no, some of them are awesome, obviously. Like a lot of people like a lot of people live in Naples, for example. I mean, that would be fun. Yeah. But there are some places that are not very fun. And and I feel like they do it because, well, obviously they're in a committed relationship. Most of the time they're married. But but I feel like if that person is enough, you can kind of make it, I don't know. Yeah, or you're doing it for other reasons. You would stay in a marriage and go to an unsavory place for the long-term prospects of what that career will do for your family. Yeah, well, but not even that. I'm thinking from the spouse's perspective of what that relationship has the potential of being. Clearly, if she's taking care of her family, I mean, not clearly, but probably if she's taking care of her family, it's not forever. Yeah. Here's another example. I had a very brief roommate. We're not even in touch anymore, but she got married. I'm pretty sure this was before she was married, but she had this boyfriend when she was living with me, and they eventually got engaged and he had to move to of all countries in the world katie stepping in really quick to thank you for listening and for telling a friend about the show remember it is your support both financially and by spreading the word that directly affects whether or not this program will continue in 2019 if you love the show support it find a donate link at thebittersweetlife.net or in our show notes. And tell friends to subscribe. We need your support to keep this show going and growing. Now back to the program. Eventually got engaged and he had to move to, of all countries in the world, Kazakhstan. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Kazakhstan. Yes. Not Belgium, (laughs) (laughs) not Australia, but Kazakhstan. And she moved to Kazakhstan with the guy. She was like, this is the person that I love. This is the person that I want to be with. And if they have to live in Kazakhstan for a while, I'll deal. So I feel like if you are like, oh my God, I cannot stand this place and I have to leave and I'm sorry, boyfriend or girlfriend, but I just, I've got to go. It's also telling you something about that relationship that it's not important enough. Yeah. Or that it doesn't factor up enough. I mean, there is that old sage advice that you can't look for everything you need in one person. And I do think that sometimes when you get isolated into a new situation, you look for everything you need in that person. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't factor up. And I don't know how much he was looking outside for fulfillment. But I just know that the way he described it to me was it just didn't add up. I really liked her and I was sad to leave her behind. But... I was giving up everything else and it was too much. Like the price was too high. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have no friends or start again. I think also it has to do with age sometimes, how much you're willing to start again and again and again and again. That's true. Yeah. 
and we're not spring chickens anymore. But, you know, somehow I'm willing to start again and again. Well, because you're young on the inside, Katie. <laughs> I'm getting to the point where I don't want to start again and again. I think it's more uh, the explorer in me, the curious artist in me that keeps me roving around. But it's not for everybody, certainly. There are people who are more logical and practical than me, certainly. <laughs> um, for her, I do get the sense from reading her email that she's younger. But that could be just because... I have a bias for thinking about when you would start living with a boyfriend for the first time. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like you need, Emily, that you would need to give up your dream of living abroad if it was indeed a dream and that's part of why you moved. It might just be that this particular living abroad experience is not what you wanted or what you were dreaming of. And I would also say there's a big difference between really missing home and really feeling like I want to be back home and feeling like I really don't like where I am. Mm -hmm. Because if it's just I really don't like where I am, it might be that there's another place that's a much better fit for you. It's not that you know you need to go back home. You could move somewhere else. Or you could move home for a while and then you could try being an expat somewhere else. But if that's not the case and you're not really crazy about being an expat and you really just sort of move because of this guy, you ask Again, what was that line? The first of the two questions. When is it time to give up on being an expat? When is the right time to give up living abroad? I would say when it's really not making you happy anymore. Why force yourself to suffer if you don't? Like I'm all about, what's the expression? Putting on my big girl panties. <laughs> Maybe that's not the right expression. Or pants. I think they say big girl panties, <laughs> isn't it? Is it big girl pants? I don't know. I don't know. In Britain, pants are panties, so it's the same thing. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm all about like sticking it out. I've done that many times in my life, but it's not always been the right decision. But I'm stubborn. I'm really stubborn. I'm going to do this until I do it or die trying kind of thing. That doesn't always bring happiness, though. So why torture yourself? If you're really not happy there, follow what makes you happy. If that means going back home, then go back home. Yeah, yeah. I'm willing to throw in a towel if it's not, not working out, for sure. I think I'm a little stubborn like you. I definitely have a sense of responsibility to people and things that will keep me doing something for longer. But I, if it's really not working out, I will move on eventually. It'll take me some time. Yeah, I'm the kind of person who like, I will spend hours reading a book that I don't like. Yeah. I started this book. I am going to finish it. Yes. People say, stop reading a book if you don't like it. There's so many amazing books in the world. There's so little time. Yeah. So why would you waste your time reading a book that you don't like? It's the same with your life. Like there's so many amazing cities in the world. Why would you waste time living in a place you don't like? Unless there's a really strong reason to do so. Like you're madly in love and you couldn't live without your partner. Or it's the means to an end. You put in your time there and then something great's going to happen because of that. Or you hope that it will. I have to ask, is there a story that comes to mind where you uh, dug in your heels and you didn't give up and it really was the <laughs> worst thing you could have done? Well, yes, I have a very good example. So I went to graduate school. Like I said, I'm stubborn. So I, I'll get an idea in my head and I might not completely work it out to all the details, but I'll get this idea in my head and I'll be like, okay, that's what I'm going to go with. And I won't stop to think about if it's a good idea. <laughs> um, so... I went to graduate school in Montreal because I met a teacher. I was doing a summer music festival when I was an undergrad in Boston. 
and I met someone who I thought was an amazing voice teacher. I studied classical singing, just FYI, for those of you who don't know. And I thought she was just an amazing teacher. I thought she was wonderful. I just, I was kind of crazy about her for a minute. And I knew that she was teaching at the University of Montreal. I had never been to Montreal. I had no idea. But I decided that I wanted to study with her for grad school. And so when I graduated from where I was going, New New England Conservatory of Music, I didn't apply to any other schools. I'm going to the University of Montreal, period. And I got accepted, and it was a very different situation from what I had come from. I had come from this classical conservatory where there's not tons of people, but everybody is really focused on music. And I moved to this school where it was a big university, but the music program was kind of small. It was my first experience being an expat, by the way, but the experience was very, very negative. Pretty much everything, with very few exceptions. But the most negative thing of all was that teacher. She turned out to be an absolute, well, let's just say we used to call her Cruella de Vil. She was kind of evil. Without going into too many details, I kind of feel like she destroyed my voice Mm. and she destroyed my will to sing. Wow. (laughs) very dramatic. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, clearly some of that is on me, but I knew probably six months in that it wasn't going well, that she was not a good teacher for me, that we were not, she was not a good match for me. But I refused, not only did I refuse to leave the school, but I refused to change teachers. Why do you think you did that? Why did you refuse to change teachers? I think part of it was stubbornness. I can make this work. You know, I can, it must be me. You know, it must be that I'm not working hard enough. You know, she was kind of this famous teacher in Canada, very successful, amazing students. And she'd had an amazing career and she was the most important teacher at the university. And I just felt like everybody else was kind of a nobody. I had only gone to that school for her. So it kind of didn't make sense for me to change to a different teacher. I just dug in my heels and I forced myself through what should have been a two-year degree, what ended up being a three-year degree because my voice got totally massacred in the process. And I had to do like, you know, physical therapy on my voice basically to get back into where I could sing. And I did it. I finished. I got my degree. But at what cost? I'm very happy with the career path that I'm on now, my writing career. But I do wonder sometimes, what if? What if I had gone to a different music school? What if I had what if I had not gone to grad school and just worked really hard with a private teacher? Who knows what could have happened? But you know, you can't ever know. See, and I'm the opposite. I feel like I'm more easily discouraged, at least as a younger person. So you telling me that story it got me thinking about teachers I had had that I also would think were kind of cruel, Cruella DeVille-ish types. For a while, I dreamed about being a marine biologist or doing something that involved creatures in the ocean. I didn't know what, but marine biology in high school was the only thing I had heard of that had anything to do with the creatures of the ocean. And she was my biology teacher. And I said, well, what do you think? If I'm really bad at math, (laughs) which I was at the time and probably still am, if I'm really bad at math, can I still be a marine biologist? And she said, absolutely not. You better come up with something else. And I hated this woman uh, already. And I didn't even question her. I just thought, oh, 
shoot, that's too bad. I really wanted to do that. It's so hard to say because part of me thinks she did you a favor by saying that. Maybe you would have wasted years trying to get a degree that you just, because we all have aptitudes, you know? Yes. I mean, yes, you can teach yourself how to do things, but we all have things that we're naturally good at. And to force yourself to do something that you really, I'm terrible at math too, but I always kind of wanted to be an architect. Someone said to me, well, if you know architects, all they do is math. And I was like, okay, let's just you know, forget that. <laughs> go back to opera singing. So in a way, she kind of did you a favor. But I guess the question isn't her motivation, but what you took from it. And why did I just say, oh, well, that's too bad. That's, I think, the testament of the different personalities. Because there are people who would have heard that and been like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do it. And I'm going to show you. <laughs> you and know, that's in, like hindsight, my personality. in hindsight, I'm not even sure it's true. If any of you are marine biologists out there, do you use math a lot? I don't even know that it's a thing, that there would be no branch of marine biology where you're you're not good at math. I feel like some of it's got to be about observation or data collection or scuba diving with whales, which is what I hope it was about. You know, <laughs> there's got to be some other branch. Like, I, I don't even feel like she was telling me the truth. Well, that I cannot answer. Anyway, back to Emily. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing, and Emily, you'll have to send us a note. I'm guessing that this may have already been resolved. Yes, I'm guessing the same. But maybe not. You know, moving is really hard. It's also extremely difficult to leave relationships sometimes. So my takeaway is I think she already knows. Mm. So yes, you need to update us, Emily. That's true. And, you know, as I say that, I think she already knows. Then I think, no, she doesn't. This is my problem with being a host of a, of a program. Because how many times have I been in therapy and been trying to make a decision about one thing or another, like whether to leave a relationship, whether to start one and thought, I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't have a clear vision of this. I can also see why you would be stuck in the question when there's that many things culminating at once about place and relationship. I could see how it would be nearly impossible to see the forest through the trees, as they say. Well, I hope that if you haven't made your decision, we have been at least slightly helpful or hopefully helpful to other people who might be in similar situations. And if you have a question that you want us to attempt to answer, feel free to write us bittersweetlife at mail.com or you can contact us through our website, thebittersweetlife.net and through social media everywhere social media is found. We are there under the Bittersweet Life podcast. Yes, we love pretending like we know everything. Yes, we do. Or letting you see that we don't know everything because we're all on this journey together. And hey, have a good last week leading into the holidays if you're celebrating Christmas this year. Yeah. (laughs) Should we leave it there? Let's leave it there. Until next time, this is the Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks for listening and for telling a friend about the show. And thank you for your support financially. We can't wait to write you a handwritten thank you note to show you how much it means to us. You are spreading the word and supporting the show financially directly affects whether or not this program continues. So if you love it, support it. Find a donate link at thebittersweetlife.net or in our show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.